Good morning, everybody. It's so nice to be here this morning. It's an honor, a privilege, and uh, it's great to be able to uh, start this year off uh, in Somerset West, where there's air conditioning and a beautiful crowd of people like yourselves serving faithfully, coming out. I know why you are here, because this place is air-conditioned, staying at home, it'll be a bit warm. But uh, God is so good, He provides even the coolness in His sanctuary by technology called Aircon. So it's great to be here. It's been uh, uh, a wonderful 2021 and a good start to uh, 2022. I can tell you that we are very excited what the Lord has in store for us uh, for this year. And uh, I really believe that um, God's name will continue to be glorified in and through us in this year. And we will continue to grow and we will continue to advance his kingdom. Because the gates of hell will not prevail against the plans and the purposes of our good Lord. Amen? So before uh, I, go, I pray and uh, go into uh, uh, time of ministry and the breaking of bread, I just want to say... Uh, Peter, who prayed for us this morning, where's Pete? Uh, he's outside. Well, I just want to say, well done. Pete, well done on your prayer, bud. I mean, you felt the spirit, the tangible presence of the spirit as you're praying there. What a way to open a meeting. Well done. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And also then Ethan, who uh, kicked off worship, uh, your first time, buddy. And I know you uh, said sorry about six times. If memory serves me right, you don't have to apologize. I just want to say, well done. Just raising your hand and being bold and standing up here and uh, leading us in worship. And I, yeah, well done. And to the rest of the team as well, you know, when, when uh, Ethan was struggling, you guys stepped up and started singing. And then to you guys, the congregation, we saw that Ethan was struggling, maybe the wrong note, or he was going a little bit off tune, and you pushed through. And you carried on worshiping. And that is the heart of who God wants us to be. We are called to be worshipers in spirit and in truth. And, you know, for us to just stand there and look at a young guy, and he might be a little bit off key, or, you know, he might have lost his voice there for a moment. You know, he's going through that adolescent stage, puberty, and everything. But he didn't worry, and neither does God, because God is looking at the heart of man and what he desires from us. is to be worshipers, man. You know, and every single one of us should have said, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't like his style. It doesn't matter. I'm going to push through and just worship my king because this is an opportunity when I'm amongst fellow believers. And the word says we're two or more gathered. That's where I am. So in your presence, Lord, and that is why we're here today, is to worship Jesus. So it doesn't matter what he sounded like, how many mistakes he made, Thank you, Jesus, that you are able to come to your sanctuary and worship you. Yeah. So well done, Eve. And uh, the first young lady, what was your name? Kayla. Hey, man, you've got an anointing on you. You must push it. Next time we are, uh, you're going to be leading. So I'd like to just declare, as uh, in that last song that we were singing, God, you're so good. You're so, so good to me. Isn't he so good to us? We've been through a tough year, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. So let me open in prayer. So if you don't mind, just stilling your hearts, stilling your minds. Let your hearts be open to receiving from the Holy Spirit right now. Just the posture of receiving. Maybe you even want to open your hands and say, come Holy Spirit. Maybe this word is for me. I believe it's for you. And we trust that the Holy Spirit will move in and amongst us because his word says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So Father, whilst you've given me this word to bring to this congregation, this beautiful group of people, Jesus lovers, I pray that your spirit will descend upon each one of us right now. As we sit here, stand here with our hands and our posture to receive from you. I pray, Lord, that you'll stir us into the more of where you've called us. 
I pray, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit will guide us, direct us into our calling, into everything that you want us to do and want us to be, in the places where you want to go, the things that you want us to say in this year, Lord. Lord, we don't want to sit back as couch potatoes. We don't want to sit here to be pulpit warmers. No, Lord, we want to be part of a mighty army, the kingdom which is forcefully advancing your kingdom. As you said, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against us. We're sitting here and who believe that you died for us so that we could have life and life in abundance, full of joy. And uh, we're so grateful for all that you're doing in and through us, Lord. And we want to open our hearts to your spirit that he may do a work in us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. I don't know if you can stick that little picture up for me. So what is, what is uh, exactly is New Year's resolution? It's a to-do to list for the first week of January. I thought that was so good. So we'll make uh, New Year's resolutions. And truth is that most people break, 90% of people break their New Year's resolutions in the first month. Um, but that's not what I'm going to preach about. I just thought that was funny. I'd share it with you. Actually, the other thing that caught my eye that I walked in here this morning brought back a very fond memory was all these clothes hanging up here behind me. Uh, when we planted Molnison at that time, I was still working for Calvin Klein. I was the managing director for Calvin Klein. And I used to go around to all the top retail, retailers, the Fashinis, the Truers, and the Woolworths, and I had to sell the product. Now, the product was bras, panties, men's underwear, gowns, slippers, swimwear, and so forth. But I was so entrenched because we were in the process of launching Calvin Klein and we just planted Milneson. And I was talking about, hey guys, you must give generously to the pantry. But instead of saying you must give generously to the pantry, I said you must give generously to the panty. And obviously I got the same reaction and some of the ladies in the congregation were tempted to come with their bloomers or panties on their heads just to rub it in. But as it happened, in the, in the school that we were, were teaching, they were doing a play called District 6. And as we walked in there, they had a washing line above where I was preaching. And guess what? There were a couple of those real old tiny bloomers hanging above my head as I was preaching. Well, that was my preach finished for the day because nobody could concentrate anymore. Because all they saw were the panties. Okay, let's get serious. Just want to let you guys know, I love you, man. I love every one of you, even those of you I don't know. You know, God has called us to love one another. How can you love God if you don't love your neighbor? So for Lorena and myself... It's just so awesome being here. Just, I can't tell you. To start the year like this, sure, it's amazing. So the title of this morning's preach is called, Are You Walking in Your Calling? Are you walking in your calling? And right now, and if I look at 2021, and I know it was mentioned that you know, during COVID in the last year, we planted 15 congregations. It's amazing that actually during con, uh, um, COVID, we went from 25 congregations to 32. And you say, how is it possible that we can open, you know, so many congregations during COVID, during lockdown? That was the hard lockdown, the first lockdown that we had. And then subsequently, we planted another 10. And this year, um, in the next three to five months, we will plant another three congregations. Anybody want to go to Tilbach? We're opening a congregation there soon. And the Duins, we're going to open a congregation there in the not-too-distant future. And uh, there's a PM congregation going to open somewhere. And uh, there were two PM congregations uh, about to launch. Isn't God good? You know, when he, when he sees a group of people like us, you know, and you can look at the person next to you, and you can think that they're nobody. But actually, every single person sitting next to you, to your left, and to your right, or a somebody. And there are somebody that God has called for a plan and a purpose, such as this time today. 
And we've just come through a period of hardship, and difficult times. And I can tell you this much. I don't know if I told you when I was here, um, I think I was here in August last year. And COVID had a, such a massive impact and is still having a massive impact on everybody. I mean, to see you sitting here with masks, it's terrible. I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, if you've had immunity, if you had COVID, if you... Um, being vaccinated, you can take them off. I'm not going to moan, but whoever walks in, you might moan, whatever the case is. But really, herd uh, immunity, I, I do believe in it, and I do believe it works. Um, that's why there, there's been a relaxation. And if you feel more comfortable by taking your mask off beneath your nose or your mouth and just putting it over there, I'm happy with that. Uh, and uh, I'm, I happen to be Andrew's right-hand man, the two I see, so I'll take this one on my chin if anybody comes in. So, but it has been difficult, and some of us have lost some loved ones, and some of us have really been ill, and some of us have lost, you know, our jobs or income, and we, but yet we can look back on a very difficult year and say, Lord, I thank you that you've brought us through this. I thank you that we could sit here and hear and be doers of your word and listen to what he wants you to start this new year with and in and for. And, uh, just as we are, Jeremiah also found himself, if you go to the book of Jeremiah from chapter 1, which we'll be reading, we won't read the whole book, but we'll read a section of Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. That's where uh, today's preaching will be. So if you want to open your Bibles, you can go there so long. But Jeremiah was called during a very difficult time as well. And it's during uncertain times, like we're in at the moment, to shrink back. It's very easy for us to sit back, and it's easy, very easy for us to hide and say, that's no, not me. And I see the Richard or Skulk or Craig or, you know, one of the guys, it's their job, it's not mine. But God is saying, no, I've called you. I've called each one of you. Now turn to the person to your left and right and say, God has called you. And he hasn't called your brother, he's called you. What did you say? Bro, uh, you're right. It's not a time to shrink back. God doesn't want us to shrink back right now. And it's also who God created you to be and me to be. And uh, when the going gets tough and uh, when there are challenges in front of us, we have to become courageous. We have to become bold. You know, if you look at the book of um, Joshua, uh, the first chapter in Joshua, God says to Joshua, I think four times, I called you to be strong and courageous. Be courageous, Joshua. And then later on, you know, uh, I think it was um, Jesus said, I didn't give you a spirit of timidity and fear, but that of courage. So in times like we're facing at the moment, times of uncertainty, uh, I'm in awe of what's happening in America at the moment. Have you ever seen a first world country becoming a third world country overnight. Just watch what's happening in America at the moment. A place is going down the tubes at a rate of knots. The unfortunate thing is it impacts us as well. Financially, you, know, you look at the oil price, it's not $20 a barrel. It has an impact on our petrol prices. The inflation is sky high, which means our inflation is going to go sky high. And they're becoming you know, virtually a, a, a one government um, communistic uh, system in which, you know, there's a one-party rule. It's, it's crazy what's going on in the world. And, you know, I don't want you guys to get depressed, but I want you guys to say, Lord, it doesn't matter. You know, if we focus on the things of the world, then that's where our heart's going to go. But we, if we focus on the things of the Lord, then the things of this world will grow strangely dim. So don't focus on the things of the world. Now, we know from Jeremiah 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 2, and these words came to God um, in the 13th year of King Josiah's reign over Judah, which dated back to 627 before Christ. 627 before Christ. So his ministry began some 2,645 years ago. So I'm going to talk about somebody that lived 2,645 years ago. So what's it got to do with me? Plenty, and I'll show you why. And it's amazing, as I was reading Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, how God spoke to me and I said, this isn't only relevant for the Israelites 
or for Jeremiah, this is relevant to you today. And Jeremiah came along at a very important time in the life of Israel. Just like you and I are living in an extremely important time of our lives. Now, it's not too difficult to go anywhere. And you'll notice that the people are filled with fear and anxiety. It's interesting that, you know, in the last year we've had in excess of 14,000 visitors coming into Joshua Generation. Now, I'm not talking about Joshua Generation in Mauritius or Joshua Generation in Australia. I'm just talking about Joshua Generation in South Africa. 14,000 visitors. There are a couple of visitors here this morning. Raise their hands early on. I'd just like to say, welcome, guys. It's nice to have you with us. But uh, why do people come to church now? God adds the lost, the lonely, and the brokenhearted. The people that are fear, the people that are uncertain, the people that aren't being filled, manna from heaven, the truth of God's word, the love of God's word, the protection of God's word, are going to go and find life where there is life. And living things grow, amen? And that's why Joshua generation continues to grow. I mean, we have over 6,000 people, members, family members in Joshua generation at the moment. It's absolutely amazing. About five years ago, my mom and dad passed away within six months of one another. And shortly thereafter, my two brothers and my sister decided that they didn't want anything to do with my wife and myself anymore. We became estranged to them, and it was predominantly because I am who I am, and I am, uh, and, and because of what I do. I'm a preacher, and they said, now we know you, a leopard can't change his spots. You know, we <laughs> watched you grow up for 18, 20 years. Uh, don't come with your story now. But the, the mere fact is, this year I turned 64, and uh, God can change the spots of a leopard. And God can change a person like me who was a rotten apple into something different, which he is using right now. And... Um, Despite the fact that we became estranged from my brothers and my sister, I look at the family that God has added us into, and I look at these faces that are sitting in front of me. Some of you I know very well. A lot of you I don't know very well. But I look at you guys as family, and I say, thank you, Jesus, for adding me into a beautiful family called Joshua Generation. And it is our responsibility as elders and leaders to one day present this beautiful bride called Joshua Generation to Jesus. I'll have all the elders, all the elders stand here, Skalki, Craig, Andre, just stand up quickly and just face these guys. There's more, you know, Richard, he's not here, and I think you guys have got another uh, three guys. Brian, he's not here as well. These guys are going to stand next to Andrew and myself along with all the other elders. Thank you guys, you may sit down. In front of Jesus one day, in front of God, and give an account for the way we led you. And he wants us to present this beautiful bride called Joshua Generation. Beautiful. Beautiful bride. Can you imagine, you know, seeing that bride? You were, some of you were bride. Some of you long to be brides. One day you will be a bride. And that bride walking down the aisle with a very proud dad. You know, arms linked. And that's what we're going to have to be, the very proud dads walking with the bride of Christ, arm in arm, but with a beautiful white dress, without blemish, without flaw, without spot. And the, the blemishes, the, the, the flaws, the crinkles, and the spots will come back when we don't take care of you. And God has called us as an eldership team and a leadership team and a deaconship team to take care of every single person that is entrusted into our care. And these are the times that we're in at the moment that we've got to spend time with you, praying with you, looking after you, feeding you God's word, worshiping together, praying together, fellowshipping together. That's God's heart for us and who he wants us to be. But we need to have courageous but very kind voices. So we don't go around and hit people over the head with the Bibles and cause, cause them to run 100 miles away. We want to be kind. We want to be generous. We want to shine Jesus to every single person. I don't know how many times it's happened to you, but it happens to me. 
I'm not saying that I sleep with the angels or go in the dark, as Will Murray used to say. The people, there's something different about you. I remember when I was with Calvin Klein, used to travel overseas once a quarter, and they people from all over the world, and they used to have a party in, on the first night that everybody was together, and used to be there, but you weren't there. I was there, but I wasn't there. And they'd come to me in the morning, and they say, but you're so different. And that was my opportunity to share Jesus to them, by sharing my testimony to them. And that's what God desires for, from us. What has God done in your life in the last year? In the last week, you know, when you get to community on a Wednesday evening, you should be so excited to say, I, I can't wait to tell you guys what God did to me or said to me in this last week. And on a Sunday, put this out to the elders on a Sunday, you should have at least three to four people, pick me, pick me, pick me. I want to tell you what God did to me because he is so, so good. This is how he changed my life in the last, last week. This is the provision. This is the miracle. This is the favor. I need to share this with you because every time I share this with you, it grows your faith. And you're going to, oh, no, no, hang on. I want some of that. I want some of more of God, please. I'm going to spend more time praying to God. I'm going to spend more time worshiping. I'm not going to give up my, my meeting with God, my quiet times. I remember I had to go to um, Oxygen Life in Port Elizabeth, Brad Varane. He's an apostolic part of 412, who are linked to us. Um, he asked me to come and do a men's camp there. So I had to uh, preach on the Friday. And then he asked me to preach on the Saturday, Saturday evening. And then I had to go to their church on Sunday and preach there in the morning. So he got, he's banged for his back by me going there. But anyway, I shared on the Friday night. And there were probably 150 men attending this men's camp. And after I finished preaching, I called for a time of ministry. And I thought, okay, we'll probably get about... I thought it went well. I felt the, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit on me. And I thought there'd be about 20, 30 people that would come up, men would come up. But it's interesting, ladies, how vulnerable your men are when you aren't around. You know, and then suddenly the guards drop and the tears flow and they become all like warm and loving and soft like teddy bears. 146 men came to the front to be ministered to. We saw hearts and lives changed. And on Sunday morning when Brad was leading, I was about to preach. He said, I want four guys to come up and share what God did to you over this weekend. 20 to 30 guys ran to the front. And he said, no, no, I called for four only. And he went, he was, he was pushing the guys away. He said, you, 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 and you, share. And that's how excited we should be about coming to church on Sunday. I can't wait to hear what God's done in somebody's life. I can't wait to tell somebody. Or you people, what God has done in my life. So I can tell you, I told you that we are estranged from my brother, or two brothers and my sister. Uh, sister. Um, during December, my youngest brother phoned me and said, listen, I want to make right with you, man. What we did in the last five years wasn't right. Will you forgive me? And I was sobbing. I, I was sobbing, uh, sobbing uncontrollable. I had to call Laureen to come and sit next to me and talk because I couldn't stop sobbing. God is a God of restoration and reconciliation. And that's what he wants to do. He wants us to restore us back to him. He wants to reconcile us back to him. He wants us as sons and daughters to be restored to our fathers and to their fathers. But most importantly, to Father God. We can sit here now and look up and say, Abba, Father, you have made a way for us to Enter into your throne room. Isn't it an awesome picture that you know that that curtain has been torn? That you have now access into the, the very personal and intimate throne room of God the Father. You have, you have to do nothing other than accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But Jesus paid the price for us to gain access through that once six or 20 centimeter thick curtain. It was split the day he was crucified. Paid by his blood. He purchased us through his blood. And he's by sacrificing himself on the cross. And that's why we're going to break bread a little bit later and drink some juice. Wine. Like a vein? <laughs> Whose son is this? 
fitter. Religion, that is going to be a good guy. But I mean, you know, that curtain was torn open just so that we could be reconciled to our Father. And I just think it's so amazing. And many of us, you know, I can go into a whole preach and I'm way off my notes. I haven't even got past the first verse. <laughs> many of us have been estranged and had difficult childhoods, growing up with very difficult fathers. They didn't know better. Honestly, my dad didn't know better. I had a tough time with my dad. He didn't know. And I've forgiven him. And uh, I've repented about my attitude towards my dad in growing up. And uh, all was good by the day he, he passed on. And I trust that he's with the Lord at the moment. I do believe that he is. But God wants to restore us back to him. Abba, Father. And Jesus made the way. And anyway... So, in Jeremiah chapter uh, 1, verse 5, God told him that before he was born, before he was formed in his womb, God consecrated him, appointed him to be a prophet to the nations. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Let's think about that for a moment. Before you existed, God knew you. Before you existed. So he thinks it and you already exist. That's amazing. That is God. I mean, this is only one verse that I'm going to give you. And if you don't, you, I'm going to give you a second verse and a third verse just to cross-reference it. So it's not only applicable. You say, but surely this was only applicable to Jeremiah. No, it's applicable to you as well. Psalm 139 says, I watched you. I knew you before you were formed and watched you being woven together in your mother's womb. So he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So I knew you, Craig. I knew you, Dave. I knew you. Andre, I knew you, Skulk. I knew you guys. Before you were even born, even before your parents thought about you, I knew you. How amazing is that? Then he goes on, and before you were born, I consecrated you. So in other words, before you were born, I set you apart. I've set you apart. That's why you're here. You're not part of what's happening out there. You could have been on the beach today. It's a beautiful day for the beach. It's going to rain later. And we could have been swimming in the very nice warm sea here on the strand. But you're here. Because you're, not, you're no longer part of the world. You're in the world, but you're no longer part of the world. You are just sojourners. You're travelers, time travelers. You just, hey, hello, goodbye. You're going through this place. But he's called you and he set you apart. And what has he set you apart for? And then he goes on. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. So there he gave Jeremiah at a very young age a calling to be a prophet over the nations. We learn from this verse that your physical existence does not determine your existence. So you existed even before you were formed in God's mind. I think it's just incredible. God tells Jeremiah two other things in Jeremiah 1.5. He said, before you were born, you already anointed him. So just imagine this. You know, we wait and we say, okay, we're going to, in the olden days, they used to anoint people, cup of oil over their heads. You know, they were anointed. That's the Holy Spirit. Jewish tradition, the older son got the anointing, the oil poured over his head. You read about the oil being pointed, uh, poured over Aaron's head and flowing down his beard uh, in abundance. But each one of you anointed before you were born. We don't have to come up with a purpose, ladies and gentlemen, friends, family. God created each one of us with a purpose. And we don't have to come up for a reason for living. And sometimes we think, you know, what is the reason? What is the purpose? Why am I actually here? We are actually here to worship God, to glorify His name, and to spread the good news to fellow men and women that we know, that we encounter every single day of our lives. So many of us right now, we feel that our lives are aimless, hopeless, confused, and some of us are even lost. So, oh, no, I don't know if I'm coming or going. I don't know what this year's got in store for me. Oh, 
Woe is me. No, no, we're not stuck into, law, into the, where God wants us. What are you asking me to do today? Every morning, I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, I submit this day to you. I submit this day. My heart is open to you. Let nothing in my heart stand in the way of the things that you want me to do today. Lord, I want to be an obedient and faithful servant. Whatever you ask, I will do. Wherever you lead me, I will go. Whatever you tell me to say, I want to say. Says, remember what I said. He's blessed us with the spirit, courage, and boldness, not that of timidity. And many of us find ourselves in a situation where you feel there's a prompting. You, I, you, know, you need to pay for that person's groceries. He's like, no, I can't afford it. I need to pay for that guy's petrol. He said, that's like a grand. Oh, Lord. Or I need to go to that person and speak to them. Well, I need to, you know, you, no, no, I can't. The actually interesting thing is, in the last chapter of the book of Revelation talks about there's no place in heaven for people who are cowards. So God wants us to be courageous, to step out. So God pre-designed you before you were born, and he made you with a purpose in mind. His purpose, not your purpose. Now, we all tend to lean on the unholy spirit, the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. And God says, no, we've got to die to self. We've got to follow him in everything that we do and everything that we say. So, is Jeremiah's calling, a predestined calling, something unique and can't be applied to us personally? The answer is found in Ephesians. As I said, I'll show you a cross-reference. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Furthermore, because of Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us from the beginning. And all things happened just as he decided long ago. Just, just take that in for a moment. He said, Holy Spirit, speak. So we pray, prayed this morning as we opened up. Lord, furthermore, because of Christ, we have received an inheritance from you. I'm looking forward to that inheritance, by the way, guys. It's going to be amazing. And we go to heaven one day. Can't wait to see you guys there. We will be worshiping, praising him. You can come and visit me in my house. The streets will be paved with gold. There'll be no more illness. There'll be no more sicknesses. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no day. There'll be no sun. We'll be living in the light and the glory of Jesus Christ. For eternity. That's forever and ever and ever and ever. You can tell me when to stop saying it ever. <laughs> it's even longer than that. He chose us from the beginning and all things just as he decided long ago. The mere fact that you're sitting here, God knew it. Before you were born that you'd be sitting here today and I'll be teaching or preaching or speaking this message over you today. God knew that before you were even born. How knowledge is that? How amazing is that? I mean, it's incredible. And then like Jeremiah, God knew and called us personally before we were even born. So what was God's four stated actions in verse 5? I formed you, so he equipped us for his purposes. He says, I knew you, and we were individually called. Now, I never knew that I'd be doing what I'm doing at the moment. I never ever thought that I'd be a preacher one day. I remember one day, we went to uh, the church that we were in before we joined Joshua Generation and the pastor's wife was standing at the door. And as Laureen and I walked in, she grabbed us and said, Kim, Kim, I need to tell you, I had such a vivid dream about you last night. And I'm like taken a bit back, you know, like a vivid dream. Well, you know, we were just saved. I think we were saved like about four months. She said, I dreamt that you're going to become a pastor. Is that something that you desire? I said, never. I never want to be a pastor. Pastors are losers, man. I'm a businessman. I'm going to be out there making money. God's laughing now. He says, the last laugh is on me. He says, I've called you for a purpose in a time and a place such as this. So when I gave up working, my working career to serve him, I started walking in the calling. But the 32 years that I'd worked in business, 
Did it go to waste? God says, no, I take all things and turn them to the good for those who love me and who I have called. And he's called me. So I often said, you know, what is your biggest regret in life? And I'd say that I never gave my life to Jesus any sooner. I would have been such a better person, but God knew. And he had to take me through this process, through this journey. And then I said, but Lord, I wasted 32 years of my life until Andrew called me in and he said, Kim, I'm finding that 412 is taking, now for the visitors, 412 comes out of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12. He talks about he gave uh, um, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, then he goes on, for the equipping of the saints, bringing them to a place of maturity. And that's Ephesians 4.12, for the equipping of the saints. So 4.12 is in fact a partnership with churches overseas or locally, translocally. Um, so we would go in as teams. You guys would go in with, with an elder or with a, an apostle and minister to other churches to bring them to a place of health. And that is what Ephesians 4.12 is about. So we go to bring and help, not to rule over them, not to lord over them, not to instruct them, but to partner with them. So Andrew said, we now have 430 churches that have joined 4.12 globally. It's consuming my time like you can't believe. We also have Freedom of Religion South Africa, which is also consuming our lives. Currently, we have 26 cases with the Constitutional Court that we are fighting against the government who doesn't want us to meet like this anymore. They don't want us to allow me to preach to you anymore. They want every preacher to be qualified, and before you preach a sermon, you have to submit your sermon to the government who are then going to audit it to see that you are not preaching hate speech. Things like the Bible. We are fighting that in the Constitutional Court at the moment. We lost one case um, this year already, and that was the ability to meet. And the word says, you shall not forsake the gathering of the saints. And then the government came in and said, you will not meet more than 50. And we said, no, but the word says, we shall not forsake the gathering of the saints. doesn't matter what the emergency rules or regulations are. Our God is bigger than COVID, Omicron, whatever you want to call it. Our God is bigger than that. And we are called to worship him. But the government said, no. If the government says 50 people, it's going to be 50 people whether you like it or not. So Andrew said, look, my hands are full. I need you to be my right-hand man. I would like you to look after Josh's generation for me. I want you to lead. Joshua Generation, all the ministries, all 42 congregations, the finances, the operations, the buildings, the church plants, um, what happens online, digitally, that's your baby. You run with it now. Why did he select me? It was God had prepared me for 32 years in the business environment, doing exactly what I did, knowing what I did, the skill set which I'd been that I developed over 32 years in business. Now, if you look what I'm doing, it's like a hand in a glove. As God has taken me, he prepared me for a moment such as this and a time such as this. Without the skill set that I picked up before I became a Christian, I would never be able to do what Andrew asked me to do. Never. So God is always ahead of us. He's always ahead of us. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this. God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose. Remember, underline that. His own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Third confirmation. Before the ages began, he called you and he gave you a purpose in Jesus Christ. Then we go to my favorite psalm, Psalm 139, verses 1 to 4. You can just stick that up for me as well. Didn't I give it to you? Okay, I'll read it to you. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. 
You know when I sit down and when I rise up. He knows when you sit down. He knows when you're going to get up. He discerns your thoughts from afar. So even before you thought, thinking your thoughts, he already knows what you're going to think. That's God. You search out my path and my lying down and acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. So even before I speak something, God knows. He's going to say that now. And sometimes you say some dwarf things. And I think God just giggles. This is a good father. Like a laugh at this little guy here. Yeah? What's your name, boy? Jesse. And then in verse 16, Psalm 139, verse 16, it says this. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Your eyes saw my unformed, not formed, unformed. You don't exist. But he saw you. His eyes saw you. Yeah, exactly. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. In other words, in his book of life, your days are numbered. He knows the very day, the very hour, the very minute, the very second, when he's going to call you home, back to him. You can't say, oh, look, it's maybe tomorrow. You don't know. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has got enough troubles of its own. Worry about today. But he knows exactly when he's going to call you back. He predetermined that even before you were formed. I just think it's incredibly amazing. And further on in um, Psalm 139, I didn't want to preach on that, but let me just mention it to you. He says, you know, I think about you guys every moment. The Lord says this. And my thoughts about you this guy like this, me. My thought's about me. It's about me. Outnumber the grains of sand on the beaches. It's like, what? You pick up a, hand, a, a, a fist full of sand like this. Too much to count. And you let it pour out. Every single one of the, those grains. That's just one handful. God is thinking a thought about you continuously. I wonder what Craig's thinking. I know what Craig's thinking. I wonder what he's going to do about it. I know what he's going to say. I wonder if he's going to say it to the right heart. I wonder if he's going to say it to an attitude of worship and praise. I wonder if he's, he's going to say that with Jesus Christ in mind. I wonder if he's going to do it by being led by the Spirit. I know what he's going to say. But now I'm going to have to work. Da, da, da. See, God's already ahead of us in all things. So how should you and I respond to this? I'm nearly close to the end. I'm going to reduce this preach dramatically because I went on a So, how do we respond? So, Jeremiah was a young boy. He was around about 15 years old when God called him to go and be a prophet of nations. Who's 15 year? <laughs> Ethan. Okay, you saw Ethan standing up here. you also 15. What's your name, boy? Anthony. So just imagine Ethan or Anthony getting called by God and saying, the age of 15, I've called you to be a prophet over the nations. A 15-year-old. So just as Ethan stood up here, extremely nervous to be worshipping in front of this crowd, this guy's got to go and stand in front of kings and kingdoms and say, repent and return to the ways of the Lord or you are going to be doomed. A 15-year-old telling a king who, by just lifting up his scepter, could get him beheaded and annihilated and brought to death immediately. But again, I've given you a spirit of courage and boldness. Now, if you know some of the Bible, it says that Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. His ministry lasted for something like 42 years. I can understand why he was called the weeping prophet. Because I was 15 years old. And I had to go and tell every king who never listened. You need to repent. You need to change your ways. You need to turn back to the Lord. And they say, get out ya, you pipsqueak. Who are you, you young lighty, to tell me what to do? Look at what I own. Look at my riches. Look at all the people. This is my kingdom. And you telling me what to do. But, but God said you must do it. Get out of here. Take him away. And he weeps. 
and he weeps and he weeps and he was known as the weeping prophet. And you go and read through the book of Jeremiah, you could see how he was wrestling and fighting for the things of the Lord. But if you, you only knew, if you only knew how faithful God is, if you only knew how good, how good, good, good our Father is, He's so good, then you'll turn from your wicked ways. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 6. This is his excuse. He says, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. That's his excuse. I wonder if Ethan went through, went through his, his mind and he spoke to mom and dad. I don't know if I can do this, you know. I'm, I'm, a y- I'm still young. I'm only 15. What's all the old gray-haired guys said? And Uncle Kim's going to be here. I don't know if I can do this. Did it go through your heart, your mind at all? Yeah. Yeah. What excuses do you offer when God says, I want you to do something? I be God. You know, I've run this race. I've tried it this way, and nothing's worked. Oh, God, you know, I've prayed, and I don't even know if you're actually hearing me. God, you know, I'm just so busy. I don't have time. God, you know, I've, I, I've just got to finish this project, and then I'll get to you. God, when I turn 45, I would have made enough money, and then I can be independent, and then I can serve you. With my whole heart and my life and everything. I've heard that before and the guy is still not serving the Lord, even though he's a multi-gazillionaire. What excuse are you offering? Are you like Jeremiah that's saying, but Lord, I'm only a youth. What is God telling you go and, go and do? Because God believes in you more than you believe in yourself. Because he created you for a purpose. He believes in you. He believed in me. I mean, he took a broken vessel like myself. A guy full of issues. A guy full of nonsense. A guy full of warts, pimples, and idiosyncrasies. Ask my wife. She had the opportunity to divorce me eight times because of marital unfaithfulness. Serious. I mean, I was a hooligan. I was a rubbish until I met Jesus Christ. And he became the center of our relationship. And God restored, reconciled us firstly to him, to the Father, and then to one another. It wasn't an easy process, my wife will tell you. It took time. But God was in it. and Jesus remains between us. He's the glue that holds our marriage together. But he's faithful and he's good. He's, he's merciful. And he's patient. So what is God telling you to go and do? Are you willing to go where God tells you to go? Are you willing to speak when God asks you to speak? Is He going to give you the strength to courageously overcome your fears? So Jeremiah, in chapter 1, verse 8, says this. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. We also know in the word, and we love using this, God will never leave you, nor will he forsake you, out of Hebrews. God will never leave you. Once you've committed your life to him, he'll never leave you. Lord, where are you? I'm right here next to you. I'm right here, right now. We're two or more gathered. That's where he is. But even if I walk out of here, he's still with me. I'll never leave you, he says. Courage is when God speaks to us. We hear that still small voice. It says, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. No matter what, the cost. I'm going to do it. God says, I require obedience above sacrifice. Because you all want to get to heaven one day when we stand as individuals in front of God. We know that Jesus died on the cross for us. And we know that there's redemption and there's mercy and everything. And we stand in front of him and he looks down upon you. 
And he says to you, well done, my good and my faithful servant. Verses. It's in Matthew chapter 7. If you get into heaven and you said, Lord, Lord, and he'll say to you, go away from me. I don't know you. He said, but Lord, hang on, I prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We worshipped you. We went to church on Sundays. And we even went to communities on, on Wednesday evenings. Or small groups, home groups. So go away from me. I don't know you. You're lazy and you're a wicked person. Why? Because you didn't have that personal, intimate relationship with him. Because you weren't obedient to what he's asked you to do. He says, remember that time when I knocked on your door and asked you for water and you said, go away. Remember the time when I was in prison and you didn't come and visit me. Remember when I asked you to speak to that person sitting at the coffee shop next to you, the person that looked down and out. And you said, oh, no, no, I don't want to interfere with their business. Remember when? And he's going to say to you, go away from me. We don't want that to happen. We all want to stick our hands up and say, yes, Lord, give me the well done, my good and faithful servant. So we've got to be courageous. Jeremiah 1 uh, verse 9 says this. Metaphorically, Jesus, Jeremiah chapter 1, didn't I give it to you? 1 verse 9. Okay, I'll read it to you. He takes a hot coal, a burning coal, and he touches Jeremiah's lips. And then he says, speak. So what God did in that moment, by touching his lips, was giving him the ability to speak prophetically into the nations and over the nations. So we need to see ourselves like God sees us. We can't see ourselves as we see ourselves. Sometimes we see ourselves as being incapable, weak, inadequate. And most of us sitting here as Christians today would say, Oh, Kim, I don't understand everything. I don't know the word. I, don't, I won't be able to quote scripture, chapter and verse, if God sends me. So please don't ask me to go. But this is where we are wrong. God says, just like he did with Peter and Paul, he filled them with the Holy Spirit. So they knew what to say when they were being challenged by the Sanhedrin by the authorities of the church in that day. And I looked at these people and said, where were they schooled? Where did they get all this knowledge? Where did they find out this stuff? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. He empowers you. And we, each one of us who have given our lives to Jesus, have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Each one of us. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So the same authority that has been given to him. Remember, Jesus dwells inside of us. We are the living temple. And Jesus lives in each one of us. So that authority that Jesus has, we have. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always right to the end of the age. So he will never leave you either. Okay, so now we need to go into the nations. What does that mean? Who are the nations? My neighbor. Let's start there. My colleague that sits next to me at work. My boss. It gives me a hard time every day. Um, my relatives, my friends, we need to go out and start doing what God has asked us to do with the courage or courageous spirit that he has blessed us with. Remember I said it's, it's not going to be about Bible bashing. It's not going to be about taking, oh, but I don't know the word, Kim. I don't know what's going to happen. Let me explain to you. Very simply how this works. Kim, I don't know how it works. Here's the answer. A solution. I'm not saying it's that solution. It's a solution. Jesus 
asked something like, in his three years of ministry, asked 700 questions. But he only gave eight answers. I was going to go like that. That's not eight, that's four times two. He only gave eight answers, if you go and read, through um, the first portion of the New Testament. 700 questions, ask a lot of questions. So, yeah, people ask you questions. So I can share my testimony with you. I can tell you how I came to the Lord. An amazing thing that God's done to me. And somebody will say, okay, that's cool. Well, what about me? I've done X, Y, and Z. Well, I can tell you what God has done in my life. And God says that anybody who comes to him and confesses his name will be saved. And I surely it can't be that easy. Not is that easy. You can do it right now. Can I? Yes, of course. All you need to do is confess your sins, repent, and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, surely it can't be that easy. Now, it's that easy. You get them over. Have them for a meal. Jesus said, I'll stand at the door and I'll knock. If you open the door, I'll come in and I'll dine with you. So you have them around. Have them over for a coffee. Have them over for a meal. Share your testimony and ask questions. Let them ask you questions. Is there a hell? Is there a heaven? Common questions that are asked. Is Jesus really true? I never believed Jesus could walk in water, by the way. Before I got saved, I thought it was a fairy tale. So people are searching. I've got many, many questions. And God has given you guys the answers. You're carrying the answers inside of you. You are walking in living testimony of God's goodness, of God's mercy, and God's grace. And for some people, for some people, you will be the closest thing to a Bible that they will read. You. Your behavior it comes out of your mouths, your actions, how you say things. They will look at this person and say, oh, there's something different about this person. Everybody's depressed. Everybody's filled with fear and anxious. Aren't you worried about this? Uh, why not? First question. Why not? I have a God, a mighty God who saves. Even if a terrorist had to come in now and plant a bomb underneath here, God forbid, and blows us all into smithereens, bits and pieces, never to be found or seen again. I'm not fearful of that at all. I'm not concerned about that. Because death has lost its sting over me. Death does no longer have any hold over me. I'm not scared. I'm not afraid of dying. Because if I do die, I'll wake up at the feet of Jesus Christ. And I'll have a new body. A new glorious body. Then I'm going to be tall, dark, and handsome like Skulk. Not short and round. And gray. Tall, dark, and handsome. I can't wait for my new glorious body. That's going to be a, one of the eternal rewards I'm looking forward to. So, death has lost its power over me. You know, the, the mere fact or thought that I'm going to die one day. I think Laureen might shed a few tears. I'm hoping she does. She will see me in heaven. You won't recognize me in my new body. Told I can answer. I'll be like a skulk, standing on the beach. So God is so good. You know, I just love that song that we sang. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. Can't stop singing that. Because that's exactly what he is. He's so good to us. That it gives us life beyond this miserable, pitiful, almost senseless life that we're living at the moment. I look forward to the life in eternity. But we do not forget about the eternal purposes that he's called us to do. That we've got to go out and represent him to man, to our friends, our colleagues, our neighbors, our friends. That is how we start the Great Commission. Go out, therefore, into the nations. Once you've done your little community of friends, then you go wider.
and then wider. And eventually Somerset West will know that Joshua Generation's there. The visitors that are here, I don't know how you managed to find Joshua Generation. But by the Spirit of God who led you here. And the more we shine Jesus, the more people are going to come to know him. And the more people that come to know him are going to get into a relationship with him. And once they're into a relationship with him, so they're going to bring more people into the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom will advance. Amen?